0: Guys, Welcome back to Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another day, another interview. And I've got Cathy Jean-Francois with me. Cathy uh, is a recovering depressive. And I found that title so cool um, because it, it means so much to me that I wanted to explore in this interview. And therefore, I'm so dead proud to have Kathy with me today. Welcome to my show.
1: Thank you so much, Stefan, for that beautiful introduction. I love it. And I'm so excited to be a part of your show today. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: An absolute honor. And we had to fight hard, the two of us, to get this show going. Because yes. over the weekend, we had test number one. And Zoom did so not want to to work with us and it no. crashed on us and it was awful <laughs> awful yes, we were was. both sort <laughs> of all dressed up and nowhere to go and it was exactly <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is so so typical isn't it so typical yes. of life um the yeah. best laid plans throw you yeah. completely well everything gets thrown in into a heap as soon as yeah. reality gets a gets a whiff yeah. of hey he has got a plan
1: Let's mess that
0: up, isn't it?
1: <laughs> well, see, here's the thing about technology. It's awesome. But when it messes up and uh, we're relying on it, it's it, it just, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: But we too, we were rolling with the punches. And I think that yes. is the, the beauty nowadays um, with both of our mindsets. We have learned to to deal with little little things like that. There was certainly a time in my life where something like that would have thrown me completely off the rails. And maybe, maybe I would have been very angry, not well, maybe, that's a given, I would have been very angry, why me? Why, poor me, poor me, poor me, another one uh, kind of a thing. And it was just just very poor coping mechanisms and just a very, very dark world that I was living in. And that's, that was really your story as well. So uh, let's go back to, to when you were a younger girl. Um, what did you want to be when you grow up? What was your plan?
1: I didn't have one. I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um I I know that I liked writing a lot. I wrote a lot of sappy poetry that made me feel maybe a little bit more down than I than intent than what my intention was, but I I had literally no idea what I wanted to be, even when I graduated college. I graduated college with a creative writing degree and I was just uh. like, I want to write,
0: but I don't know what I want to do to write. You know, so I just don't know. <laughs> uh, um, having said that, I mean, is there one teenager out there in this world who does not go to that through that phase that that right. said, "I don't fit. I am. Who am I?" And mm-hmm. to write poetry and uh, write things down is probably uh, one of the better ways to cope with it. Uh,
1: oh, I see. I completely
0: agree. <laughs> I had I had uh, recently a uh, singer songwriter who uh, used virtually identical words to you and in her youth she she started writing songs. Um, so your poetry is that nowadays revealing of of a darkness. And if so, is your poetry actually maybe a vehicle for you to re-explore? your thoughts at your, at your younger, younger age?
1: Well, with my poetry, when I was younger, it was, it was, I think I was trying to find my words for a feeling that I couldn't describe really. Um, I didn't focus on, you know, how I was feeling. It just, whenever I was, in a depressive mood whenever i was in that deep dark hole of depression i didn't know how to explain it so i never had the words for it the poetry that i used to write was poetry about lost love used to be in love with people who i who probably never noticed me not like you know i wrote about that but nothing about you know how i was feeling whenever i was i was feeling depressed
0: well, is that not a whole genre? Is that not country and western defined? Yeah. <laughs> so you would be yes. you would be very at home in these kind yes. of songs. Yes. <laughs> <That's> so, so. <laughs> uh, uh, I did actually the same, 1718. Uh, <laughs> so I, I've got these songs. They're absolutely awful. Um there are. <laughs> but it was it was I can very much relate to it. So it is, yeah. it is oh god. But
1: they served the purpose of that time, didn't they?
0: Correct. Absolutely correct, mm-hmm. and maybe it is uh, an early attempt of verbalizing, of actually uh, it's just what the heck is washing over you there, and mm-hmm. uh, it is it is weird. Uh, can you, I can remember sitting in the darkness, playing my guitar, singing my song, and it was oh <laughs> God, lost love, and indeed it was the first crushes that you that yeah. you have got. Oh God
1: yeah <laughs> but that
0: was that was when very we young oh okay. mm-hmm. so, <laughs> how did that continue was this this a drive to write did that continue in into your later life
1: yes um i've i always loved reading books and i loved writing when i was uh, probably in high school i used to write stories that didn't really go anywhere and then when i studied creative writing and literature in college we had to take of course i had to take a you know, writing classes, story writing, mm. screenplay writing. And uh, I used to write short stories there that, that. well, on one hand, there were some sto- stories that I wrote based on the prompts that were given. That didn't really mean much to me. But then on the other hand, I, read, I wrote a story called Respect about uh, two young women two black young women who go to a movie theater uh the opening night of a of a movie but everybody's just acting crazy wild and and they're they're questioning why do black people have to act like this when they get together and it culminates to the end where where a a, a boy a, a young african american boy had been drinking and he tried to grab one of the girls because he liked her and and she got she she was Uh, shaken up by that and she when she called him the n-word he got angry and and slapped her and everybody in the theater goes crazy like why you do that to her and so that that story was really speaking to how I was feeling about when 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 black people come together young black people come together in a movie theater or in some social setting there they just misbehave and they just go crazy it's and 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 it was something very very near to me when I was in college and I wrote that story for class and I entered it into uh, the the school's uh, contest for the literary magazine and I won first place for that story. So I was very, very proud of it.
0: Oh, and it is, I mean, how how wonderful your insights were there. And uh, well done. That's all I can say. Wow, that sounds like a damn good story to read. I would love to read that. But the question is, did you... Did you have the same insight when it came to your own soul, when it came to your own darkness?
1: No, I didn't. And I, I didn't have that same insight until, I'm going to say, I started writing a novel called The Box about a young, you know, uh, executive, magazine executive who suffers with depression. And mm. it has, uh, you know, it's, really affected the way that she deals with people, relationships in her life. And while I was writing that, I would took very special, not special, but careful note of every time I was in a depressive mood. And I would write it down, how am I feeling right now? And and, and the way that I was able to describe how I felt it, because I was very, very aware of what I was doing. I was writing about a woman who was suffering with depression, and I was suffering with depression. So every time I was in one of my deep, dark, depressive modes, I, uh, I used that to my advantage and wrote it down. And the way that I would describe it was that I was in a deep dark hole that I could not get out of. And even if I could not get out of it, for some reason I I didn't want to, right? It became my comfort blank, it became something comforting, something that I knew, that I understood in my in my misunderstanding of it because i didn't really understand all that that uh the um all that uh depression entailed for me at yeah. that time. Yeah. And so i felt like i really felt like as i wrote down what i was going through and i and i write this in one of my blog posts um well that that in one of a blog a blog post that has not yet been published uh, i will be publishing next week i wrote down I I felt like my writing down how I felt sort of gave me my power back. I don't know if that makes sense. It was like me immersing myself into my writing to really, really focus on what I was feeling in my depressive state. And I I was able to take back my power. Like it's as if me taking this feeling and just throwing it away, giving it to the page, letting it live there. And I felt like that, that was one of the things that I did that helped me start to overcome the depression that I was feeling. And mind you, I didn't realize that I'd done this only until a few weeks ago when I started writing the blog post about my depression.
0: <laughs> oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Because that's that just shows the power of journaling, the power yeah. of actually writing something down that deep inside is is in reality a wave of emotion, a wave of neurochemicals washing over your brain, um, yeah. and that wave unfortunately can last hours, days, weeks, months, mm-hmm. sometimes, and it yeah. is, uh, and it's very, very hard. It feels like, it feels, you know, you, you have difficulties actually expressing it. When you say, oh, "I, I don't feel any joy." that that doesn't mean much but if if you actually experience it it's the most Mm -hmm. horrible feeling Mm -hmm. uh anhedonia it's the medical term in other words you just really don't give a fuck anymore um Mm -hmm. about everything that that was dear to you and Mm -hmm. that is that is one of those 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 big big signs of depression so Mm -hmm but for you when you were out of interest were you able to write when you were in your darkness or were no. you no okay so it was like uh just don't want to
1: right I, when when i was really really depressed what i would do is just like probably sit in a dark room or lie down and just cry and just be angry and be annoyed if my sister asked me a question i'd give her the attitude and uh you know that type of thing and i i was I, it depression has really become something that you you consume yourself into, right? And then it becomes sort of like you're being selfish because it's all about you and all about what you're thinking and all about you being in your head, right? And I was able to write about, uh, so I was able to think about what I was suffering with as I was suffering with it, yes. But I only did that as a means to, as a way to, um, really get into my main character. Mm. So so prior to that, every time I was going through one of my depressive episodes, I was just going through it. But when I started writing my novel back when I was 20-something years old, I was like, I need to record how I'm feeling right now. And it wasn't an easy chore. I had to find the right words, but I, I managed to do it because I, I had a very specific reason for doing it. Mm
0: although that was not clear to you at the time but it was uh that what it written <laughs> see I, th- I think it was clear to you just not to you to your real conscious uh mm-hmm. it was clear to you that you needed to shed light uh on uh, that you need to focus on that that part of you that otherwise was was running you uh, for such a long period of time you needed to make right. sense of that, and yep. and that was your outlet. And how beautiful mm-hmm. is that? Mm-hmm. Regrettably, many of us don't have that insight and don't think positively about it. I would have tried to numb um, that that darkness. Um, were there attempts like that with you? Did you? What did alcohol do to your depression, or what did it do to your suffering? When you were down and had a drink,
1: when I was down and had a drink, it didn't make me, uh, you know, a, a depressed drunk. I became quite happy, exactly. and I liked myself when I was happy. So what did I do? Mm. I kept on drinking to be exactly. happy. Exactly. And there were times when I would go to social functions from at work. I worked in a publishing company many years ago and we would go, we 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 socialized often, went to the bar, whatever. And I, that, that was when I felt the most uncomfortable. Social situation, I did not feel very comfortable in. So what did I do? I drank because it served two purposes now. One, to make me happy. Two, to make me more comfortable in my setting. And then I would continue the, the drinking. I would oftentimes get drunk. I would do things that I wasn't proud of. That I had to face the consequences later. And this was something that continued, that kept on going. And, and then this was one of the things that I focused on the first time I sought therapy, just my drinking. And, and I had to be proud of myself and I had to um uh you know congratulate, congratulate myself whenever I did hang out with my coworkers and I didn't drink to the point of getting drunk. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But of course, it it served a purpose, and we keep forgetting that we we keep forgetting that there's the underlying pain there. So people mm-hmm. see the addict and the the way we are drinking, which can often be really destructive. But mm-hmm. um, for us, that wrecking ball is like a lifesaver. It is just uh, you finally feel good about yourself. All the worries drop away and for for far too many years in my life after a, a after about two glasses of wine suddenly my shoulders were ah oh, relax and there was this warmth coming from my body and just this, this kind of feeling of ah oh, yeah that feels good and it was like this wave of of dopamine hitting me and it was just an absolute beautiful feeling but of course you're chasing that fleeting moment and regrettably that is what tolerance is all about you you drink and drink and then that wave doesn't come as as, uh, in the way you want it and you drink more and or the wave has come and you just want to keep going with that wave and you drink more and more and more and more and mm-hmm. before you've blinked, there are two bottles, three bottles there, and you're yeah. you are so no longer. There's nothing happy about that. That is
1: no, that isn't. is just.
0: You you met, you refer to the anger. Was that where you a very angry, hot when you were younger?
1: Um, I was mostly always angry with myself. Mm. Didn't like myself, right? Always angry with myself, and I, I latched I latched out lashed out excuse me on onto other people so I took my anger out on others um angry with myself because I didn't understand the way that I was I didn't understand why I was always so um you know like I I needed things to go my way I would give people a silent treatment whenever uh something didn't go my way or it it just it just surfaced in in ways that that I, be, I later became embarrassed about, like, oh, gosh, what was I thinking there? Why did I re- react that way? Why did I act that way?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm cringing because I can, it, it brings back, not memories, not real memories, but it brings back so many regrets, the mm-hmm. feeling of regret, which is so well known to me because you you were shame, full of shame and full of guilt mm-hmm. and regrets as far as your drinking was concerned, as far as your hangovers were concerned, the way you've mm-hmm. treated people, the way you couldn't remember how you treat people, uh, mm-hmm. uh, how you treated people. So it is, er, this was a horrible time. And I think these negative emotions, they, they, mm, they are so part and parcel of of that destructive spiral that addiction Mm -hmm. and drinking is as well as depression is because they two have go hand in hand and certainly did with me there were damn good reasons why I was depressed so there was uh, my life threw me a lot of lemons uh for repeated cycles in my life but I had just simply no clue how to deal with trauma no clue what to do and I don't think that I'm the dumbest or the the, the 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 numbest person out there, but um it is when it came to my own emotions, etc., I was at the level of a teenager. I had never emotionally matured to actually deal with uh challenges the way I deal with them today. And I guess I guess that the way your story sounds, that was a little bit like you. There was mm-hmm. there was a lot of confusion there there was a lot of searching from the word go with you writing the poetry writing uh, starting to write the books etc so that's wonderful did you actually also search in reality did you seek help uh was that was or was there a stigma attached to you actually talking to someone
1: well i i i was always the quiet shy introverted type so i didn't seek help at first right um it was my sister who, who, you know, she saw. We were we were very close. We're twins. Um, we're fraternal twins, and I. She noticed that I was always always down, always upset, always crying, and she didn't know how to help me. And she would mention every once in a while, maybe you need to seek a therapist, you need to talk to a doctor, but I never did it. Until finally, one day she was just done, and she's the one who searched it for me. Um, and I finally did see a therapist because of how she helped me. That was her best way of helping me, right? And when I did start seeing a therapist, uh, I was also put into group therapy. So I saw a doctor one on one, and then every I, I forgot. I think it was like every Thursday or so. I would I would be in group therapy where I would be discussing my my issues with other, you know, other people who were in the same, in the same boat. And um, my father had been passed away. And because of that, I quit my job and I no longer had uh, insurance. So I didn't no longer went to therapy, no longer was on medication. I had to seek other ways to help myself. But then it, you know, that little depression monster came back Mm. and uh, continued continued ruining my life. And I decided to seek therapy again. And this was, I'm going to say about six, maybe seven years ago. And I've been seeing the same therapist since then. And I've been working on a lot of issues that I never even considered about what that happened when I was younger. It just, I, I think it's really helping me, but I think what really it's not just the talk therapy and it's not just me writing about depression, but it's just a number of other things that started helping me. I started exercising on a daily basis, and I guess that that helps with elevate someone's mood. And if you if you do it consistently, you know, it continues to do so. That mixed with starting to meditate every day, uh, say affirmations daily affirmations about me being a good person me you know the world is a beautiful place and you know we I, I have a place in the world and I can you know do the things that I need to do um I can become that you know published author that type of thing and or I feel like it's in positive self-talk. There was a lot of positive self-talk. I listened to a lot of um, these teachers out there, um, Abraham Hicks and it, it Wayne Dyer, all of these people. And it, it, I feel like it was a combination, a, a combination of all of these things that has really helped me deal with or combat the depression that I feel every single day. Because I still go through it. I still go through it, but I managed to find a combination of different things that helped and I was very lucky to, to find them.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it? Therapy in itself, you, you sort of get the notion that uh, you go there and someone is doing something to you. And that's actually not really true. Therapy is actually where you start exploring things that are happening in your, in your brain and in, in your emotions, etc. So it's a far more active thing than rather sitting there and someone else doing something to you so you actually started to take action and i think that is that is where i liked the the the, the initial description of yourself i'm a recovering depressive recovery really is full of action is full of taking little steps and that's exactly what you did and that's so wonderful that your decision to actually do daily exercise, fantastic. Now, you guys out there, there are actually enough studies out there to clearly show that, um, first of all, exposure to outside and to light is such a beautiful thing. And it gives you that that wave of good feeling. And you can measure that in the the way neurotransmitters are being released. So Mm -hmm. exercise and being outside is something very positive. The sun is an antidepressant in its own right. And if you then start getting your heart rate up, bingo. And you can (laughs) study that. That that feels good. And you can Mm -hmm. show that in improvement of depression scores. Um, So you did that. And and you felt this feels good. And you realized it feels good. So therefore, you kept going. And that is so brilliant. That's so brilliant. Often enough, we say, oh, that was nice. Then that's it. And um,
1: go back. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Go back to your vicious yeah. circle there. And well done. So starting to take to take action became became normal for you. How yeah. did you did you focus on your nutrition as well?
1: Um, no, I didn't. I didn't focus on my nutrition until uh probably about a year ago, to be nice. honest with you. But but when I started on when I started the exercise, it's a funny, it's a funny story actually. I started exercising daily because my sister was. Now I mentioned that we're we're twins. And we would go to what's called the twins festival every year in Ohio There's a twins festival with thousands of twins gathered together to just have a really great weekend. And my sister was like, I'm working out and I'm going to look good, but you're not. We're not going to look so much like twins. And so <laughs> oh. I, start, I started working out like maybe I, I always felt like I was so busy, right? Being a teacher, I don't have that much time. So I would work out maybe once or twice a week and then, to um, on Saturdays and Sundays. And then I said to myself, you know, I, I started noticing some difference, uh, you know, what my body was looking like. And I was like, oh, I like this. So that's when I decided I made a new year's resolution. The only time I've ever in my life made a new year's resolution, <laughs> it was to work out every single day. And I've kept it since. And I, when I started working on everything, it wasn't until a few months later that I realized, I was like, whoa, I, I haven't been depressed in a long time. Uh, and i was like it must be the working out and then my sister it, my, it all of this you'll hear me talk about my sister all the time she was a big influence she started um she she became acquainted with certain people who who gave her you know these positive uh things to listen to on youtube and uh, talks to listen to and and because she was listening to them, i started listening to them and and then little by little, I started being like, yeah, this world is great. We can do whatever we want. And and I started getting all this positive, you know, all, this avalanche of positivity in my, in my brain. So the exercise, the positivity, and then my sister was like, well, you know, I'm." we started reading a book together. And we're like, okay, let's, the, the book talked about meditating and saying affirmations. I was like, okay, well, let's do it. And then just little by little all these things came together to help me Uh, and I didn't uh, even realize that I was helping myself overcome this depression that I've been feeling
0: how cool my steps to sobriety over there uh that's (laughs) the first edition Then my book will be re-released in uh the second edition next month so in October yes exactly yeah and uh (laughs) as as uh in there I do describe effects of alcohol on, on me and, and on people to start off with as one one big block and then i go into the 12 steps now step seven there is actually about creating micro habits and i go in details uh, with regards to those those powerful things that you have just done there because they are so important to actually create a different life um and different uh different 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 yeah there's this yeah. umf there's this kind of I- there, these micro habits can be yeah. so, so, so powerful and it's it is beautiful. So, and all these things so I've got heaps and heaps written in there so guys check it out uh, when it comes out and it is basically, whilst it is uh, looking at, at alcohol and sobriety, um, mm-hmm. it is so applicable just as much to recovery, to any recovery from mental health problems mm-hmm. made it be mm-hmm. a, a nasty bout of, of PTSD Surfacing, or may there be any kind of other negative emotion um such as such as depression because the steps are the same the steps are ultimately um a a logical way forward to seek Mm -hmm. connection and you had this beautiful connection there with your with your sister and i i want to Bring, I want to go back to Saturday because there in this, in our shitty interview, we you gave me that example of her writing you a card, and that was such a beautiful thing. Because I want to, I want to spell it out that that depression is not a solo disease, it's not a disease that only affects you. Tell us about that card that she once gave you.
1: I, I, I wonder if I still have it, but I solely remember that. During one of my depressive states, my sister had purchased a card from the store. I wonder if she remembers this. I haven't even brought it up to her. But she wrote in the card, you know, something to the effect that I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how to help you. Um, just, just know that, you know, I'm there for you. And, you know, it was just her trying to reach out to me to let me know that she was feeling just as hopeless. I was feeling hopeless about my situation, about my world, about not understanding what, what I was going through. And she was feeling hopeless about how to help me. And, um, I, I, I must still have it somewhere. I've moved, I've moved since, you know, but uh, (laughs) I, I would love to find that card and show it to her and yeah. see what she says.
0: It is such an important uh, important little bit because that that little card meant so much to you. Mm-hmm. Actually here it is. It still is is in your memory as a as a big mm-hmm. anchor point and mm-hmm. it is it is beautiful because it is that little spark of light in your darkness that you will always appreciate and remember for what it was. Yeah. Such little things for you guys out there can be lifesavers for you to do that phone call to someone, for you to to not give up and just say, hey, shall we go for a coffee? Regardless, if for the 10th time that person says no, it doesn't matter what the answer is. The point is that you made an effort and showed that you care. Because depression is such a lonely disease. It is, you isolate yourself. You mm-hmm. basically break break off all contacts. That's all part and parcel of depression. And it is, yeah. and sometimes you can be very angry with yourself as you described it, or with others. So therefore you're lashing out, because of your own anger against yourself, you're lashing out at others. And they of course say, well, okay okay, I will yeah yeah. exactly you're isolating yourself further so no to just actually say hey look I see that you're hurting and I really don't know what what I can do but just now know that I'm here wow Mm -hmm. that was that was such a beautiful message and the other thing what I want to say is that depression is not a lonely oh it is a very lonely disease but it does not only affect you there's at least right. each of us has got one person who's really our our close sort of affected person Well, if you yeah. are hurting they are hurting and if you now imagine that, that you know uh, that one in three people will develop depression in their lifetime and i mean real depression not just a little case of blues um right then you can imagine that actually more than half of the population of the world will be affected, therefore, if you only assume that one other person is affected by the life of the depressed person. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not right. If you were to really look at, um, at at nasty things happening to one person, how many others are involved? In some studies, that's up to, to 25, 28, 30 people are directly affected uh, Affected by whatever happens to the one person. So if you imagine oh. that the snowball effect, Christ,
1: mm-hmm. oh uh, gosh, yeah, isn't
0: it? So everyone out there ultimately will be affected one day, sooner rather than later. Yeah. By depression. Yet, when you are depressed, it feels like you're alone. There yes. is. You're just blinkered. You cannot mm-hmm. see that, and there could not possibly be any help out there. Um, for you, because it's also dark, and no one could possibly feel like you.
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly oh. what it feels like. You're you're completely and totally alone. No one will ever understand what you're going mm. through. You will never get out of this darkness. It, that's exactly what it feels mm. like.
0: Yeah, and that is so important that we recognize that. And it is, it is. It takes many little things to get out. I think the one thing that I want to say as a, as a doctor is that you that there are there's a huge spread of cases and how they manifest. Mm-hmm. So I always mm-hmm. call the depression a chameleon of symptoms, and mm-hmm. the other thing is that it is such a weird disease because for some people simple interventions they are not ready for that they are not ready Mm -hmm. to work on it themselves they need medications they need maybe uh, stronger much stronger input like involuntary uh, hospital admissions because they are so bad in their depression that it becomes really not just a risk for them but maybe also to others mm-hmm. people who are who are very suicidal or people who are just so depressed that they don't eat they don't drink mm-hmm. so if you just let them they will just die and pass away mm-hmm and and therefore in such cases there might be electroconvulsive treatment if Mm -hmm. drugs are not an option because they have side effects or reasons whatsoever so there's a whole range from from the really beautiful many little things you can do yourself to to the whole gamut on on the, the extreme other sides where you are just completely passive and unable to do anything and really truly yeah. others others have to to exactly. help you so yeah. therefore we are not saying brilliant you are seriously depressed so from now on have a walk and that's it and nothing else yeah. bullshit no bullshit. right no but, yeah
1: because so what I've, works for one person will not may not work for somebody else
0: absolutely exactly and the other thing you could say what works for one person might not now work for someone else Mm. that does not mean to say that six months down the line or in a year down the line that other person does not get great help from learning to meditate from uh taking on daily exercise from stop eating crap and actually putting some some nutritious and good vitamins into you Um, and all these kind of things they can play a tremendous role but they they might just not be at the forefront right now um, because that person has got other priorities
1: in treatment. Mm-hmm. So can I ask you, so you you've studied um, what what depression can do to people. And so my question is gosh, now now, now I lost it. I completely lost my thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> not um, at all, not
0: at all. Going back it, to you. It, it, it,
1: it had to do with understanding when somebody is ready. To receive treatment, or is ready to let let their depression go, so they can start taking steps to um, healing themselves, or even people who 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 are alcoholics who who need to get sober. Have you come across any any situations or any studies or whatever that show that you know there's somebody or there, there are people who cannot get themselves out of it right now, but have managed to do so when, when whenever they felt they were ready to.
0: You've just described uh, recovery in alcoholism or in addiction. Mm-hmm. There is, mm-hmm. uh, alcohol is a, is a absolute nefarious disease, a, a diabolical disease, because as part of it, there is denial. So mm-hmm. 90, 95% of alcoholics will tell you and will believe it in their heart that they're not alcoholics. No, nah, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Look at him over there now. He is an alcoholic. Me? Mm-hmm. I'm a social drinker. Um, mm-hmm. No, I just like like this kind of social lifestyle. I love, I love social lifestyle, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. ass. Um, but that's 95% of people. So denial is part and parcel of that. Um, equally, remember that taking action typically help uh happens in humans when they are pushed so far outside of their comfort zone that Mm -hmm. it is too painful to stay in that little bit of pain uh compared with the potential pain that taking action would entail Mm -hmm. so i think there's i mean you said it yourself you uh you started doing exercise now you didn't start to do exercise because you had the realization that will help me you just Mm -hmm. started doing exercise because you in this case your sister um and suddenly you realized huh my depression has not really surfaced in the severity um in the over the last six months bingo that is Mm -hmm. the the breakthrough so sometimes not sometimes the vast majority of people out there will not recognize how badly depressed they are they will not recognize that they are depressed at all they for them they have not delved uh, dived into their their emotions they they are as imbecile as i was as 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 handicapped as i was in recognizing my own emotions and i think that's part and parcel of it i was i could always recognize depression or any kind of other mental health problem in others, addiction in Mm -hmm. others, um, was plain for me to see. Do you think Mm -hmm. I saw it in myself? No. Mm -hmm. Do you think I saw it in in my wife? No. So I was a big failure as soon as it came to my own recognition. Uh, Failure is the wrong word. Um, It is I just couldn't see it. I was like a blind person towards Mm -hmm. my own emotions. And I think that is part and parcel. And that is what what is virtually true to many others out there. And then there there might be breakthroughs here and there where suddenly you get that little snippet of something that drives you to take action. And then as it so happened and the, the gods and the universe wanted it, you have taken action in the right way or you meet that right person. That actually says, hey, why don't you come with me? There's this cool group there and help me a lot and forget that they're meeting in in a church uh, and forget that they are, uh, that there's God grant me the serenity. Don't worry about that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Just come with me and and see how it feels. And it might be the best thing ever because someone dragged you into a 12 step meeting or it might be something completely different. There might be other meetings like like, um, Smart Recovery where people don't focus on the addiction, um, uh, well, they focus on the addiction, sorry, but they use different different tools and different uh, focus, how they address the same problems, a more science, right. science-based science approach. That might suit your own belief system much, much better. If part of right. your drinking was because you have been abused by a priest when you were younger, yeah, that's probably not going well when to go to a, right. to a, a church run a meeting or something like that mm-hmm. um and please when i say church the reality that that a meetings are often held in churches have has bugger all to do with the fact that uh that uh, this particular group is is religious uh, most mm-hmm. of the groups that I attended were secular. Uh, God had no role to play there, but right. the church makes them makes the rooms available for free or for a token uh, because they want to do, do the right thing. So that's the reason mm-hmm. that you meet in a church. Okay, let's get that right. out of the way. Mm-hmm. This could be a, okay. a, a gym, et cetera, but the gym owner would, would uh, ask for money unless he is an alcoholic and and does it himself for that reason. Um, Mm -hmm. But otherwise, that's the reason we meet in, in, or AA meets in, in, in such places. So bottom line is, to answer your question, it is most people don't realize their own emotions, and they need that help. And that help could be that phone call. That help could be your sister saying, come on, let's go for a walk. And suddenly you realize, huh, that's actually nice. Walking, stretching, mm-hmm. etc., and it's that yep. that ah, uh, taking action. That is mm-hmm. what self-care and beginning self-love looks like.
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, absolutely.
0: You didn't like yourself when you started exercising, and you could have mm-hmm. just said, "Oh, I look awful in that t-shirt, and everyone will look at me now. I better don't go out and have another mm-hmm. drink at home." But right. you chose to take action, and that is so right. beautiful that is so that is what what a recovering mental health patient addict mm-hmm. you can add in there whatever whatever label you want to put onto yourself um mm-hmm. recovery is taking steps in the right direction it is being mm-hmm. positive and uh, and accepting that this is a trial and error journey mm-hmm. because what works for one doesn't work for others it exactly. is so you just have to roll with the punches and i should Mm -hmm. just see okay i'm 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 i've I've had my pity party long enough Mm -hmm. i've been in the dark now let's call it not pity party i've been in the darkness so long i'm ready to go out there and find the light because i've seen that little spark there hang on let's just where was that spark (laughs) there and that is really (laughs) what you did and that's why you are my hero. (laughs) Uh, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> absolutely, no, Kathy. That is so important, and therefore and I want to highlight that, and I want to bring that out, and that's that's why you are uh, the role model ultimately yeah. for mm-hmm. for milder forms of depression, where you did mm-hmm. all the right steps, and look at you now you're here a guest and you're actually sharing sharing your passion you should see your eyes they're they're they're, <laughs> they're full of passion there is yes wow, thank you absolutely but that is that is that is waiting for all of us out there if we actually <laughs> accept that we're in shit and that <laughs> we're actually accept that also that others were in the same shit but now are having their lives sorted so how did they go about it what worked for them and see if that works for us And and probably for everyone out there that your journey should start with seeing your family physician go to a doctor who knows you or if you haven't got a doctor find a doctor who knows you your gp your family physician because there are actually secondary cases of depression now secondary means primary means it just happens and you are depressed secondary means okay. you have got a biological problem sitting in there somewhere for example the, that gland here the thyroid gland is mm. important to get your metabolism sorted well if that is stuffed and is, is not working well your mood is low and right. the okay. same with certain vitamins The certain okay. with uh, if you're anemic as a woman because you have been bleeding from your private parts and uh, you have got uh, trouble there, and you're actually running on half of the, the red blood cells that that another person has, well, no surprise that you're down and tired and out, right, and it can right. very much mimic uh, a depression. So that your first start should ever be with a doctor to get yourself checked out. Um, also, you don't know what the resources are in your area. Whilst if you were to talk to your doctor, he's not a, you're not the first case like that that has come right. through so he right. has got already a, a network of people set up who says uh, where he can can where he can just pluck you in and say hey look mm-hmm. i I know your circumstances so maybe that particular practitioner that particular psychologist might be really good for you um right. and right. by the way here are some vitamins and by the way here is some more blood tests and we'll, we'll check further. And right. you did so well for coming. Can I see you again in a month's time or in two right. weeks' time, etc.? So bang. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these things on a plate here, just there ready for you. Well, how mm-hmm. beautiful is that? That's like a jump start yeah. for a vehicle to get you running yeah. again. And that's that's right. the beautiful thing. So everything that you, Kathy, said is so important. But I, I would like to put it in a bigger framework of, of trying to deliberately have a a good relationship with a doctor that you see maybe once every six months so that he, Mm -hmm. she knows you. And actually, you know, you're always ticking on a good so that your maintenance is good. And if you then are getting hit by a mood disorder or by addiction or, 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 then this person already knows you and he, she can work from a, from a baseline, and that's so beautiful. So again, yeah. this is there's so much to be said about about again being active because you choosing a GP and you making mm-hmm. active decisions to actually say, yeah, it makes sense. I put my car through a, through a service every you know half a year, year so mm-hmm. why shouldn't I put myself through a service every every yeah, half exactly. a year?
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We have to keep maintaining ourselves, right? And so, and this is why I. Uh, continue to do this on a daily basis i work out daily i do my meditations daily my affirmations daily positive self-talk all of this has to be done daily because i can't be like oh okay i'm, I'm feeling really good now i guess i don't have to ever do this again
0: <laughs>
1: no we have to continue maintaining ourselves <laughs>
0: right and there again is the 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 parallel between treatment of addiction and or management of addiction and management of mental health because there is the saying if you don't work on your recovery you're working on your relapse and that that is Mm. so true so don't do the the basics right and you very soon get the darkness coming back there's no two ways around there exactly so, oh kathy exactly. you are you're brilliant and and i'm so grateful that you came out to my show to to highlight sort of those things that you indeed can do yourself and i'm mm-hmm. um, um your 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 honestly was beautiful to hear how you spoke about the darkness how you spoke about depression uh hopefully uh, many people out there will hear how you felt will draw the parallels and say shit i feel the same and maybe i'm depressed and maybe maybe our our interview today is the spark that that kicks mm-hmm. off someone's someone else's path of stepping into the light taking yeah. taking action to actually get better mm-hmm. oh. Kathy, if if people wanted to to learn a bit more about you uh can they can they check you out um, are there? Is are you happy to talk to them? How does it work?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm I'm an open book when it comes to anything really. Um, especially the, the depression. Uh, they can find me at, uh, https colon, uh, forward slash forward slash, uh, Kathy's Cross dot WordPress dot com. And that's my blog that I just started about uh, how I am dealing with depression. Uh, They can simply find me on Facebook as well. Kathy Jean Francois, J-E-A-N-F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. And I do have another blog called tithenot.com. It's simply T-I-G-H-E-D, the knot, T-H-E-K-N-O-T.com
0: beautiful and look down there into the description of the podcast and of the youtube show and you'll find all the information in there Um, and whilst you're down there you might as well press the subscribe button and that (laughs) that helps the algorithms and bring us more Mm -hmm. out into the light because i so hope that in these many beautiful interviews and we're coming now up to 200 interviews that that there is so much information out there for people to to find hope because that's yeah. really what I want to wanna see myself yeah. as the merchant of hope the, the bringer of hope because I did have no hope for my own recovery I was helpless worthless hopeless uh in my in my suffering and it was no no it was a big big lie that was mm-hmm. actually um that depression and addiction told me a lot right. of lies I right. believed that my body told me my mind told me and that's heap of bullshit because right. no you're not alone you're there is hope there is, help. There, there is
1: hope. Yeah. there's a
0: there's a huge community of people who are recovering mental health mm-hmm. patients And some of us are indeed truly outspoken like you, Kathy. And for that, I'm so grateful because it is, it is, therefore, we are bringing it out of the shadows, out of the hiding. It is not a taboo. It is not something that, oh, my God, you should be ashamed of. Bullshit. It it is normal. It is normal that you have Mm -hmm. a bout of depression in your life. Mm Yes. and the more we can normalize that the more just as much as you say okay i really got a bad cold i need to see the doctor well mm-hmm. i've got really a bad mood and persistently mm-hmm. low mood i need to see a doctor well would that not make sense to just yeah. actually say yeah i've broken my bone um i probably need to see a doctor i need to seek mm-hmm. help um mm-hmm. and please seek help guys, because the help is waiting for you. There are people out there who want to connect with you. There are people out there who have gone through knee deep shit, but they kept going. And look at where they are now. Look at Kathy now. It is beautiful. The new and improved version. They are on my show. What shall I say? Exactly. (laughs) And it's so bizarre. Here we are laughing about something (laughs) that we would have been mortified to speak about when we're at the depth of our our depression. So, therefore, guys, life is too short. You can do it. You can do it. Please, please, please go out there and make that connection. And... And, and let the hope come back into your soul. That is really what is waiting for you. The yeah. recovery is the most beautiful journey that you possibly mm-hmm. could imagine. Mm-hmm. Kathy, you're gorgeous. Thank you so much for coming on to my show. Thank you so much for your honesty and, and your 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 humility in, in sharing all that with me. It, it was... Uh, it, if we can just make that hurt out there uh what's so right. so left out. Yeah.
1: Stefan, thank you so much for having me on the show and for helping to give me a voice to to what's going on and, and how I can be of service to other people. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just trying to do my part, I think. But thank oh. you so much.
0: An absolute pleasure. And you guys out there, stay strong. Look after yourself.
1: Bye. Bye bye.